Thank you all very much. If you don't know, uh, that's based off the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. Um, and if you need a prayer to start your day or anything, um, it's a wonderful prayer for you uh, to use. Our scripture this morning comes from uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. Uh, would you stand as you're able for the reading of God's word? Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. Uh, as we just heard, uh, talking about promises. This is a promise that God make, made to Israel, but he also makes to us as well. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This morning, we are coming to the end of our time in rehab, um, or at least I should say, this, you're, we're, we're coming to the end of my time in rehab. This is my last sermon in this rehab series, but next week, you're going to hear from some of our own uh, people uh, who have gone through various forms of rehab, and, and we're going to hear about what they went through and what they learned, and so um, it's going to be a special Palm Sunday next Sunday. And so I know we're making a big deal about Easter, but uh, be here next Sunday as well as, as uh, we hear from some of our own. Uh, so make, uh, make an effort to be here for that. But we're winding down this rehab series. And, and essentially we have been talking about the process of, of being made whole and well because that's what rehab, rehabilitation is means. And you know, while we normally think of rehab when it comes to addictions or physical therapy, we as humans are in need of some spiritual rehab. And so that's what we've been doing during the season of Lent to get us ready for Easter. God is always working on us. We're in need of God working on us all the time. Um, we're always in need of being made whole and well. And so this morning, while we, you know, over the last few weeks, we have spent some time in the wilderness and we've done some intervention and we've looked at the program of rehab and we've looked at recovery. And while we can get so focused on the actual rehab, we can forget what it's all about. We can get so focused on the process of rehab and so focused on recovery that we forget why we're doing it. 
We can get close to being discouraged by the process of rehab if we don't keep our eye on the prize. If we forget that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that things will get better, then why why even do it? Why try to be made well and whole if we're just going to be worn down by the process? Well, today I want to talk to you about the promise. This is what it's all about. Today is why we go through the wilderness and we go through the intervention and we go through the program and we go through recovery. We go through it all to get to the other side of wholeness and wellness. As our scripture says, the days are coming. If we will stick with God, if we'll stick with each other, the days are coming when we will be made whole and well. But before we dive into today's passage, I want to tell you about the man behind the scripture, Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, he lived and he preached in some very dark days uh, for the Jewish people. Jeremiah prophesied about 600 years before Jesus walked this earth. Jeremiah's prophetic activity extended from the years immediately uh, before Israel and Judah were conquered by their enemies from the north, the Babylonians, and they were taken into a period of exile and captivity. Babylonian, uh, the Babylonian king uh, Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Jerusalem in 597 and completed the conquest of Judah, the southern kingdom, over the next 10 years. And then what he did is he took uh, many of the Israelites into captivity, into exile in Babylon. And through the period of Israel's fall and into the time of exile, Jeremiah continued to prophesy, continuing to prophesy. But here's the thing. Jeremiah wasn't really excited about being picked by God to be his spokesperson. When God called him, he pleaded with God not to make him a prophet, saying he was too young, he was too inexperienced. He begged God to choose someone else to deliver God's message, but God picked Jeremiah anyway. I guess when you're chosen to be a prophet of God, you kind of have to do it. It's kind of like, you got to do it. So Jeremiah's first job, here's his first job. Okay, God, I'll speak for you. But his first job as prophet was to deliver a message to God's people that they better shape up. They better get their act together. They better start living the way God had instructed them to, or they were going to be destroyed by another kingdom. Now, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear of death and destruction, to get right, start behaving. And so he was quickly branded as an outcast, an irritant to the people especially to the king of Judah, because Jeremiah kept telling the king to surrender to the Babylonians instead of allowing them to be destroyed. Jeremiah said that the impending destruction that was coming was God's judgment on the king and on God's people for their unfaithfulness. No king wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. But even in the midst of having to be the constant bearer of bad news, Jeremiah still had a heart of compassion for the people and a trust that God had plans for them beyond their destruction, beyond their capture, beyond exile. He believed God's promise that there would eventually come a day of restoration 
when their suffering would come to an end and God would prosper them and give them a future with hope. Jeremiah had so much confidence in God's plan that even while they're being taken from Israel, Jeremiah purchases a plot of land in Judah because he believed so much that God was going to restore the people, restore the land, and they would come back home. I don't know if I would have that kind of faith, but Jeremiah did. For much of his book, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's prophecies that the days are surely coming referred to the imminent fall of Judah and Israel. But by the time we get to this morning's passage, the fall has already occurred. They've already been destroyed. So the words, the days are surely coming, take on a new meaning. They have turned from a threat to a promise. The chosen people, God's chosen people, they've been conquered. They've been taken captive by their enemies and hauled off to live in a foreign land for 70 years. Through a letter from Jeremiah to the people in captivity, God has instructed the Israelites to build houses, to live in them, to live in this land in exile. He tells them to plant gardens, to eat, to marry, to have children, to seek the welfare of their captors. And the children of Israel, they are trying their best to do just what God had instructed them to do. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard being in exile. It's hard being a captive. You see, rehab is hard. It's hard to live through a time of grief and loss. It's hard to prosper when your life has completely fallen apart. Sometimes it feels as if you ever feel like you're just going through the motions? Just going through the motions. It takes all our energy just to get through a day. Man, sometimes it just takes our energy to get through an hour of a day. I imagine that the words of God through the prophet Jeremiah at this time were kind of going in one ear and out the other. I mean, maybe they heard the words of Jeremiah but they didn't find much comfort in them. Makes me think about all the times in my ministry when I have tried to speak words of condolences to someone who suffered a terrible tragedy. Someone's died, and I'll say, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. You ever said that? We all say that, right? Say, I'll pray for them. I'll visit Try to listen. Maybe a few, a few months later, offer up a word of hope saying, you know, it'll get better every day. Time heals all wounds, right? But to someone who's in shock or, or someone who's hurting deeply or someone who is facing the end of his or her life, mere words just don't help. I know how many times I've sat in, in, a, in, in church or some service somewhere in my own life where I could hardly hold back the tears because it's painful to be in those hard times, the periods when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist puts it. 
And then, of course, we're not just dealing with personal problems, right? I mean, we all have our problems, but we're not just dealing with them. There are terrible things going on in the world around us. Beyond our immediate needs, I mean, there's pain and there's violence, there's anger, brokenness. As we're going to sing about in just a little bit, where do we find strength for today? Where do we find bright hope for tomorrow? This week, we find it in the promise from God. Sent through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah some 2,600 years ago. And the amazing thing about this scripture is that it speaks to us today just as well as it spoke to the Israelites when Jeremiah spoke them. The Lord is saying to them and to us, no matter what you're going through, no matter how much it hurts, how difficult it is to imagine a future with hope, I promise you, it will get better one day. And you are not alone. I am with you to the end of the age. One day, the Lord says, the house of Israel and the house of Judah will be restored. One day, you will be able to return to the land the Lord gave you. One day, your homes and your businesses will be rebuilt. One day, you will have work again. One day, your divorce will be a thing of the past. One day, shame will no longer control your life. One day, your grief will be manageable. And believe it or not, one day you will smile and you will laugh again. One day you will no longer be slave to your addiction. One day there will be a new covenant, a new promise. One day the sins of the past will all be forgotten and you will have a fresh start. The slate will be wiped clean. One day... Christ will come in final victory and we will feast at his heavenly banquet. One day, someday, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, I promise. Do you think the people held in captive in Babylon found comfort in Jeremiah's words? Probably not at that point. Probably not. You know, sometimes we're just not in a place where we can hear any word of hope. Not even from a prophet sent by God. But perhaps the one thing that we can do is put our hope and our faith in a new covenant. This promise of of forgiveness and reconciliation, peace, and even prosperity that is because of Christ offered to all of us. Not just to Israel and Judah but to all of us. And this covenant will not be made with words. It will be inscribed on our very hearts. It will come as an assurance in which we know, we know for certain that God is with us and that God loves us whether we can feel it right now or not. That's what we in the church call grace. A grace, and grace, you know, it bypasses our our heads and our intellect and even the limitations of our communication. 
the grace of God shown in Jesus Christ speaks directly to our hearts. You know, I spoke of that time where you're trying to offer condolences, words of condolences, and, and just offer relief for somebody who's pain. You ever been in those moments and you just, you're just praying for the words that could speak directly to their heart and, and to get rid of that pain and that grief and to provide comfort? You ever been in that situation? You just want to help a friend out. You want to help a family member out. You want to speak directly to your heart. But you know what? There are limits to our communication. There's limits to our words and, and everything. But do you know who can? Through the Holy Spirit, God can speak directly to our hearts. God can touch people with grace inscribed straight on their hearts. Just as God touched the hearts of Israel and Judah uh, when, when, they needed, when they needed it the most, God can do that with us when we need it the most. Maybe you need it the most right now today. God is speaking directly to your heart. And that's why this message for us is so powerful today. As we come to the end of our Lytton journey through rehab, I hope that you can hear God's promise for you. I hope that we will remember it when we find ourselves in despair. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. This is the covenant that God has made with each of us. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they need to teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Amen. Our closing hymn is great.